Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Allah Ta'ala inshallah make your Ramadan Mubarak and fill your uh, your fasting and your prayers and your recitation of the Quran and your dhikr of the divine name and of la ilaha illallah and the other masnoon adhkar and your sadaqat and all of your good deeds with barakah in this Mubarak month. Please uh, don't be from the people who slacks off and waste time on Twitter and television and Facebook and uh, you know reading the news and all of these other things. Um, only to be the one who says at the end of the month, oh look how fast Ramadan passed by. If a person is cognizant of their every breath, which is one of the barakat of praying punctually and making dhikr regularly, if a person is is aware of the passing of every breath and trying to use it uh, in order to better themselves, then they will find so much barakah in this month that it will feel like it never ends. Uh, every day will feel like it, it never ends. Uh, they will have more mindfulness in the time uh, from prayer to prayer than other people may have an entire uh, week or a month or some people even in their entire lives. So uh, while it's good to listen to uh, even these recordings and things like that as a, uh, a rest and a respite from uh, the rigors of prayer and uh, the difficulties of fasting and uh, uh, the rigor of reciting the Quran constantly and making dhikr constantly. Um, let, let, you know, let all of us make amal on uh, and practice on. That when you're, uh, when you're free from the prayer or from, from your difficulties and the, the work that you're putting, mujahada, your struggles, then find respite in the prayer and uh, unto your Lord, uh, let your desire and your 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 goal uh, be. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. So we continue with the 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 recounting of the Mubarak life of the Prophet وسلم, or some small part of it. Um, after having talked about the immigration of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum to Abyssinia. Afterward, Hazrat Shaykh rahimahullah ta'ala continues, while the Sahaba radiallahu anhum were allowed to migrate, uh, uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam remained behind in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, uh, undergoing the severest of trials and persecution for a full six years after the first of the Sahaba left to Abyssinia. On the first of Muharram and the seventh year of, of, of prophethood, the Kuffar of Mecca schemed a new plan of persecution. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, along with his entire family. And here what's meant by the entire family is not the immediate family of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, rather all of Banu Hashim. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the son of Abdullah, the son of uh, Abdul Muttalib, the son of Hashim. So Hashim, uh, uh, all of the descendants of Hashim uh, were, were put under a new plan of persecution. Uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his entire clan were imprisoned in a valley, the Shi'b of uh, Abi Talib, uh, uh, and a total boycott was put into effect. 
They were not allowed to emerge from the valley, neither were they permitted to procure any food from outside, nor was anyone permitted to enter the valley with any provisions. After a short while, uh, while uh, after a short while, when their fo- little food and rations were depleted, uh, a period of starvation followed one after the other. Uh, women and children were in dire straits as a result of the starvation. And this happens in crisis zones everywhere. That those who are physically most vulnerable, um, women, children, the sick, the elderly, uh, especially women who are pregnant, um, those people who uh, who are in the most precarious of situations with regards to the, their health, they're the ones who suffer the most and they're the ones who succumb to uh, starvation uh, first. And it's, imp- it's interesting actually, just to add... Uh, a note that it's interesting um, when this happened uh, there was two shows one was a supreme show of wafa of loyalty uh, which is a trait that seems to be gone from uh, a great number of people nowadays and people used to have the human trait of loyalty now people have the corporate trait of uh, of, of a fiduciary responsibility to look after themselves they've kind of donned uh, 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 the uh, selfishness in the garb of some sort of pseudo, uh, some sort of pseudo uh, um, virtue of the fiduciary uh, responsibility of every person to look after themselves, and indeed, a person does have the duty to look after themselves um, in the sense that they shouldn't make themselves in need of others, but it doesn't give them the right or the privilege or the the you know. Uh, to look positively on selling out other people. And uh, sometimes uh, responsibility, the responsibility of being a human being and of having honor and having wafa, loyalty, which is a a cardinal virtue in jahiliya, which was upheld by Islam. Uh, Sometimes uh, that, you know, a person gets, uh, you know, gets their, their hand called in terms of their humanity to see how much humanity they have. And so there was a member of the Banu Hashim, Abu Lahab, uh, who is the paternal uncle of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, had he uh, had he chosen to stand by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he would have been revered as a member of the Ahlul Bayt, but he chose to sell out. Uh, he chose to sell out, and so when this uh, boycott pact. Uh, of Banu Hashim was made of the Prophet ﷺ was made Banu Hashim to a man. They all stood uh, in defense of, of of their kinsmen, even though many of them were not Muslims yet, and they paid the consequence for that. They said he's a good man, and uh, he doesn't lie, he doesn't cheat, he helps the poor, he helps the widow, he helps the orphan, um, and he's a man of of chivalric virtue, and we will not sell him out uh, to you just because you don't like the fact that he's commanding to virtue. And so even the, the mushrikeen from Banu Hashim at that time that had not accepted Islam, uh, to a man they stood with the Messenger of Allah, except for this uh, Abu Lahab, except for this uh, unclean, inwardly and outwardly individual, this Khabith individual who, uh, you know, like we mentioned before, there's literally a surah lampooning him in the Quran and he deserves it. Uh, and so he sold out, he sold out his uh, nephew and his kinsmen. Uh, against uh, any uh, virtue of Islam and against even any uh, tribal Arab tribal virtue uh, or chivalric virtue of, of, of the tribal Arabs, uh, even of Jahiliya. 
He was just a straight sellout. And so he went in front of uh, all of the rest of the mushrikeen of Quraysh, and he said that I have nothing to do with him, he has nothing to do with me. And uh, that's actually become a legal ruling now, that Abu Lahab is not considered legally in the Sharia, the sacred law of Islam, to be from Banu Hashim. Uh, he is not the family of the Prophet ﷺ, and his descendants, uh, uh, if any of them are, are still alive, which is a great possibility. And I don't think anyone's going to go around and say, hey, look, I'm, you know, Lahabi, I'm descended from Abu Lahab. So those people, even if they are alive and around and they accepted uh, Islam, uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're probably unknown, but none of them can claim, uh, uh, claim the kinsmanship of the Prophet and then look on the other side, that uh, Hashim, his, uh, the great-grandfather of the Prophet wasallam, his brother uh, Al-Muttalib, uh, um, who was the one who brought Abdul Muttalib to Makkah Mukarramah. Al-Muttalib, uh, um, he, uh, he went to Medina Munawwara to get his uh, nephew Shayba, uh, who was the son of his brother and a, a boy of much virtue and, and talent and potential. And he uh, uh, brought him from where his mother lived in Yathrib, which was the old uh, pre-Hijra name of Medina Munawwara, and brought him to uh, Makkah Mukarramah to take his rightful place as a chieftain of Quraysh. And so when uh, the people saw Al-Muttalib bringing this uh, young man, handsome young man into Makkah Mukarramah, they wondered who is he. And so people thought, oh, this Al-Muttalib must have purchased a slave uh, and he must be bringing his new slave into Makkah Mukarramah. So the nickname Abdul Muttalib stuck with the grandfather of the Prophet But look at, mashallah, how, how uh, Hashim's brother Al-Muttalib had, he had love for his brother and uh, love for his nephew. And he brought him and literally set him up that he could become the chieftain of Quraysh. And the people of Quraysh honored and revered, revered uh, Abdul Muttalib. And so when the Prophet ﷺ was boycotted by the mushrikeen of Quraysh, the clan of, uh, of Muttalib, which is a brother clan to Hashim, uh, just as Hashim was a brother to Al-Muttalib, the clan of Al-Muttalib said, whatever, whatever, you do, whatever you do to our brothers, you do to us as well. And they, uh, they were, because of standing firm with the Messenger of Allah wasallam. again, many of them were still mushrikeen, but just out of their sense of humanity for standing with their kinsmen because it was unfair and unjust what was being done with them, they were also subjected to this boycott, which had uh, horrible uh, effects. And uh, Allah knows best, uh, uh, and Allah knows best, and He's the one who gives reward to the one who... Uh, shows honor to his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam but from one of the many honors that banu muttalib has is that imam al-shafi'i is from amongst their ranks and uh, if if there's any lineage that is next in kin to the lineage of banu hashim and has the right to claim some sort of uh, affinity to the ahlul bayt of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam indeed it's uh, uh, that of banu muttalib it's an opinion reported from imam al-shafi'i that also they they don't take and consume the money of zakat and uh, with regards to the shafi'i fiqh uh, inshallah you can ask a shafi'i faqih of the, about the details but that that is something that that uh, we we read about in different books of fiqh uh, and again the details you can get from them the pledge which the kuffar had made with regards to the imprisonment and embargo was not a verbal one nor was it the plan of just a few uh, 
In fact, all the chiefs of Mecca had signed the document imposing the embargo and imprisonment. The scribe of this document was one Mansur ibn Ikrimah al-Abdari. The punishment of all, that Allah Most High inflicted on him was that after he, uh, after he wrote out that document, both of his hands were paralyzed uh, for the rest of his life. And again, uh, you know, people, if you stand with the haqq, a time will come when a great number of people, authority figures, and uh, people uh, that are looked up to, you may see that they behave badly. Allah Ta'ala will expose the, 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 the uncleanness which is inside of their hearts and inside of their batin. After three years of patient suffering and endurance in the prison of the valley, Allah Most High, by His limitless mercy, inspired some people of Quraysh to violate the pledge. Some persons amongst the kuffar and mushrikeen developed a pity for the Muslims. While discussion on the issue had become topical, Allah Most High revealed to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that the document of excommunication had disintegrated and that only a piece of the paper, that piece on which uh, Allah's name was written, had remained intact. On this occasion, Abu Talib notified the chiefs of the Quraysh that Muhammad وسلم, had informed him of the disintegration of the document. He added that if it was true, then they should refrain from this action and lift the embargo. Uh, the Arabs were a people who used to take omens from and signs from things, so something like that would have affected them uh, uh, quite quite deeply. When it was discovered that the document had truly disintegrated, those who were initially opposed to, opposed to the boycott were further emboldened to violate the pledge. Thus, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his family gained their freedom from the prison of the valley. However, two grave events soon took place. His uncle Abu Talib died. His presence had restrained the kuffar of Mecca on many an occasion, and also his beloved and devoted wife Sayyidah Khadija Ummul Mu'minin radiallahu ta'ala anha had passed away. This year uh, in which these events transpired was known amongst the Muslims as Am al-Huzn, the year of sorrow. This material support in the worldly form was thus also taken away. However, in spite of the multitude of difficulties, hardships, and sorrows, nothing could detract the Prophet ﷺ from his devotion to Allah Most High and the propagation of this deen. Although the kuffar of Mecca perpetually mocked him and hurled at him a variety of epithets, such as sorcerer, magician, fortune teller, and madman, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ constantly supplicated for their guidance, to become for them to become Muslim and for their betterment. This was his prime concern. When he finally despaired as a result of their intransigence, he commenced his uh, uh, his calling to the deen uh, uh, f- for those who lived in the area surrounding Makkah Mukarramah. He approached every tribe with the message of the oneness of Allah. However, they all rebuffed and mocked him. In Ta'if, uh, when he attempted to carry out his mission, the chiefs had not only mocked him and jeered him. So Ta'if is a, uh, a city that's up at some uh, elevation. It's very near Makkah Mukarramah and it has very pleasant weather uh, compared to the rest of the Arabian Peninsula during the uh, summertime. And the people who lived in Ta'if, Banu Thaqif, um, they considered themselves to be peers and equals to uh, the Quraysh. Uh, and many of the noblemen of Quraysh actually used to uh, vacation in Ta'if as well. So there was some uh, back and forth between them and there was some, some connection between them even in the days of Jahiliyyah. In Ta'if, when he attempted to carry out his mission, the chiefs not only mocked him and jeered him, but organized street urchins and other vagabonds to stone him, sallallahu alayhi wa Imagine that the Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa 
they they unleashed people to throw stones at him even though he only brought them the message of la ilaha illallah in consequence of the shower of stones which rained on him his shoes were dyed red with his blood sallallahu alaihi wasallam returning from ta'if he sat on one place grief stricken and made the following dua O Allah, with you alone do I register the complaint of my weakness and my forlornness and my disgrace amongst people. O Allah, who is most merciful, you are the Lord of the weak and you are my Lord. Toward whom have you assigned me? Have you handed me to an alien who detests me or to some enemy in whose control you have placed me? O oh Allah, as long as you're not displeased with me, then I care for not, care not. Your protection suffices me. I seek refuge with the nur of your face, which brightens all darkness and on which all affairs of this world and the hereafter are rectified. And from your wrath settling on me or from your anger descending on me, remove your anger from me that you become pleased. There is no strength nor power but with you. Allah Ta'ala bestows His favor according to the degree of the struggle. The fruits of success are in proportion to the sacrifices offered in the path of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The episode of Ta'if was indeed a great struggle and sacrifice. The fruit of this noble sacrifice was the highest proximity to Allah Most High in the form of the Mi'raj, the ascension, which happened on the heels of the Isra, the night journey. No one ever attained such divine proximity. The greatest and most wonderful gift bestowed upon the Ummah on the occasion of the Mi'raj is the five daily prayers which were ordained as obligatory. Salat is a medium for communing with Allah Most High. At the same time, it is the most important act of worship. Alas, the plight of those who turn their faces away from divine proximity by refraining from the prayers is most lamentable. In the pursuit of a few coins and for the proximity of the powerful, just for a few moments they sacrifice their lives and even their deen. In spite of the great sig significance for the Muslims, the episode of Mi'raj has become a target of mockery from the kuffar. It provided them with an additional excuse for jeering and revi reviling the Muslims. The uh, Mi'raj, the Isra and Mi'raj of the Prophet وسلم, was uh, an event that Hazrat Shaykh mentioned, we mentioned earlier in, in one of the previous darshas that um, it was an occasion on which the uh, angels took the heart of the Prophet وسلم, from his chest and washed it in the, 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 the water of Zamzam and uh, charged it with the uh, light and the uh, nur of Iman. Uh, in order for him to be able to uh, receive even more uh, in terms of the divine uh, blessing and the uh, providential favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during his, his mi'raj. And uh, the prayer literally is, you know, for people who want to look at Islam as the law, you know, you can look at the prayer through the lens of fiqh. And that's definitely one aspect of it, and it's an important aspect of it, an important aspect of it. But even the fuqaha, they talk about... Uh, they talk about with an act that there are different there are different things that you look look through different lenses in order to understand. One is is the act, uh, the responsibility for it is it fulfilled the baraat al dhimma, 
And another uh, separate issue is, is it going to receive reward? Uh, so a person may pray their reward in a way that's legally valid. So the qadi or the judge or the mufti is not going to say you are legally obliged to repeat it, but it may be devoid of it may be devoid of any sort of reward. And another issue, a separate issue, is whether it's accepted or not. And so if you want to look at the prayer from the angle of the law, there are a number of issues that come up, and they're important issues. But to look at the prayer from the angle of uh, it's Sufic virtue, then know that whoever has a vicar that they do or whoever has a weird that they do, uh, a, a daily uh, a collection, a hizb or uh, a weird, a collection of adhkar that they do, uh, by which they feel like they're, uh, mashallah, some sort of 2.0 Muslim or better than anyone else, know that the greatest of the awrad is uh, the five daily prayers. Nothing comes even close to it. The greatest recitation of the Quran is the recitation that a person does inside of the prayer. And the greatest of the adhkar of Allah Ta'ala are the adhkar that a person does inside of the prayer. The maqam of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, all of it was bestowed to them by, uh, by and through this salat. Um, which is Allah Ta'ala opening the door of His divine inayah to us uh, every day uh, so many times. And it's a great blessing. And uh, it's it's something that is a large portion and the greater portion of the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this ummah had, without which it would not have made it. The Prophet sallallahu would not have been able to surmount the challenges that were in front of uh, in front of him that are described in this reading. Uh, and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would not have had the power and the help from Allah ta'ala that they needed to trample the unjust and tyrannical empires of the ancient world uh, underneath their feet and liberate the people to uh, from from the slavery of the creation to the the, the slavehood of the creator and to liberate people from the uh, darkness of jahiliya and without it we also we cannot make it we don't have anything without this salat it's sufficient if a person knows how to pray their five daily prayers uh, for them to rectify the 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 affairs of this world and the hereafter. And many people, you know, they see it as like, it's, oh, it's just empty ritual. It's just empty ritual. I don't even understand Arabic. You know, if you're the slave of Allah Ta'ala, does the slave, is the slave paid to think or is he paid to obey? Uh, the slave, the slave is his only function is when the master calls the person's the slave says labbaik. And in that sense, if a person doesn't understand Arabic uh, and they say the prayer, uh, this is a, 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 a in itself a, a beautiful station of slavehood. And uh, I might even say that it's more perfect uh, uh, manifestation of the slavehood of a person in front of the Lord, except for Allah is the one who commanded us to seek knowledge. And so because of that, uh, because of that, there are maqamat that are higher than than not understanding the prayer. But even if a person doesn't understand it, um, there's a beauty uh, therein. And doesn't it, uh, doesn't it uh, suffice you to know that this salat is literally an imitation of the angels. There is no other animal that we know of that was given the salat, uh, uh, that was given to the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Rather, that salat is purely for the mankind and for the jinn, in imitation of the angels. Other than us, the only other than this ummah, the only people who have this salat is who? 
is is the the malaika and this is a a great honor for us that despite being shackled with corporeal bodies and despite having an animalistic nature that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should give us the chance that we should be lifted out of that that state for uh for for a couple of minutes uh you know after 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 uh, uh you know different stretches and spans of the day and it is a respite that a person should wash their sins away from themselves uh, in their in their wudu, and they should be granted uh, audience to stand in front of the Lord Jalla Allah in in order to make sajda in front of Allah. And we take it for granted because a person has something they don't appreciate it. Ask that person who has a heart filled with sin and re- filled with regret and nobody to make toba to. Ask that person whose forehead is uh, been stuck in the air through their arrogance and it's killing them inside. And they 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 don't know you know they don't know what they can do about it. And the people of this ummah, not only Allah has given us uh, uh, the knowledge of what we can do to dispel the evil effects of sin from our heart, because it's not like we don't sin, and it's not even like we sin less than other people. Many of us, astaghfirullah, Allah knows our hal inwardly and outwardly. Uh, uh, the miskin who's reading this, uh, uh, reading this book is the first in that list. Allah knows how much we, uh, we disobey Him. Uh, but look at so much honor and nobility that we know what to do and we have the tawfiq to do it, that uh, that we have the tawfiq to put our, our, our forehead on the ground in front of the Rabb Tabarak wa Ta'ala five times a day in the masjid and in the darkness of our own rooms and our own houses when nobody else is around, uh, when there is intimacy between the 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 the, the, the slave and the Lord, the slave who is a ashiq of the Lord, because the Lord is worthy of being loved. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adorned his entire creation with his mercy, uh, inwardly and outwardly. So who wouldn't love him, Jalla wa'ala? Uh, and despite our ingratitude for that, he gave us the opportunity to make sajda in front of him. And uh, uh, that's, that's a great, that's a great uh, gift from Allah ta'ala. And look at what the occasion in the world of causes and effects was for that gift. That the Messenger of Allah وسلم, literally he had to see his family starve to death in front of him. He had to see Sayyidah Khadija anha in her old age uh, bear, uh, bear the, the, the pain and suffering and his children bear the pain and suffering and his family and relatives and cousins bear it on his behalf Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, uh, despite not being uh, burdened with the burden of, of Nubuwa, that on the heels of all of that, uh, on the heels of years, three years, in which it's mentioned that the only food that would get in is that Sayyid, Sayyidina Bilal, radiallahu anhu, who was himself, himself a slave. So you can imagine that he was himself emaciated. Uh, so just the depression inside of his armpit, he would uh, fill it with whatever food stuff he could bring in. And he would uh, hold his arm against his body, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, and so that there was nothing for uh, the mushrikeen who would stand watch over that valley uh, where the Banu Hashim and Banu Muttalib were imprisoned. And that's the only food that they saw for so long, was what he would smuggle in inside of his armpit, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu the idea itself doesn't sound appetizing, nobody would want to eat something like that, but that was the only thing that they would have, and even that little amount, they would spread it and divide it up amongst people, that through that sacrifice, Allah ta'ala gave us this salat, 
which is the highest medium and mechanism for earning the love of Allah Ta'ala and garnering the help of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and attracting the aid and divine assistance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to make things that are otherwise impossible possible, uh, both for a person in this world and the hereafter, that through the Salat, entire nations of people will be saved from the hellfire and through the Salat, uh, entire nations of people will be uh, forgiven for their sins. Through the Salat, the empire of the Persians and the Romans was trampled underfoot. Through the Salat, uh, so much mercy was distributed to uh, mankind. And through the Salat, it's not just the Ottoman Empire and the Caliphate and all this other conquest of Roman Persia. Through the Salat, you, my brothers and my sisters and me, all of us, our, our, our work will be completed. All of our maqasid and our needs will be fulfilled. All of our desires uh, with regards to our eternal life will be fulfilled. All of our, uh, all of our griefs will be uh, sufficed from us. All of these things will be uh, uh, taken care of through the salat and it's just there, it's just waiting for us. Sometimes we just need to remind one another and remind ourselves about what the, the, the benefit of that salat is, that it truly is the greatest and the most uh, luminous and uh, uh, the most bountiful and the most filled with grace from all the awrad and all the acts of worship that were prescribed to that were prescribed to the the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam it was from the inception uh, of Islam that the practice of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, uh, was to uh, was to propagate Islam to uh, outsiders who entered into Makkah Mukarramah this practice was the cause for the establishment of an Islamic presence in Yathrib, which would then later on become Medina after the uh, uh, after the uh, Hijra, the the Hijra of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it start this uh, presence of Islam in in, in Medina was uh, initiated in the eleventh year of the prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The inhabitants of Medina Munawwara while visiting Mecca uh, for uh, various needs or trade or for Hajj. Uh, those people would embrace Islam and then return back to their city. The Muhajireen uh, from Mecca further augmented the numbers of Muslims in Medina. And so people also, once there was a, a friendly uh, outpost established in Yathrib, the Muslims uh, started to move there as well. Uh, there was thus a substantial number of Muslims now in, in, in Yathrib. They all desired that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, settle permanently uh, in Medina Munawwara. However, he would repeatedly inform them that Allah Most High had not yet commanded him to migrate. Uh, thus he waited in Makkah Mukarramah in anticipation of Allah's command, uh, spending uh, day and night in, in, in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah we'll continue, uh, we'll continue when we next get an opportunity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, give us tawfiq to, uh, to appreciate uh, the sacrifices of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And through that appreciation... Through our Salat and Salam on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and remembering and recounting his struggles that frankly are beyond our capacity in order to, uh, in order to uh, witness much less go through uh, ourselves that Allah Ta'ala also harden our resolve and give us strength in order to get through the mujahadat that we need to in order to achieve whatever station and maqam uh, we need to in this life. Uh, so that Allah Ta'ala may be pleased with us and that He may love us and that we should meet Him in that state uh, and that we should have one day 
it's a struggle, it's difficult, but we should have one day the tawfiq that we uh, turn our back on uh, on sin and turn our back on uh, selfishness and carnal desire and arrogance and all of those things that that are uh, uh, deadly poison that kill us and that we hate so much, but we have so much difficulty giving up that, that love one day be uh, what gives us and garners for us from Allah Ta'ala the strength in order to to turn our back on those things that destroy us and to walk the path of righteousness uh, in such a way that we never leave it ever again. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq that we we uh, we we love the salat and that we uh, use the salat and that we benefit from the salat and through it Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala crown us with uh, his help uh, without which there's no uh, there's no maqsid or objective or aim of this world or the hereafter uh, that that we're we're going to be able to fulfill for ourselves uh, without which there is nothing except for uh, uh, pain and suffering in this world and that thing which we think is an enjoyment or happiness or success uh, it will only be a cause for more grief on the day of judgment Allah Ta'ala give us from the salat what he gave the ones that he loves and gives us the, give us the salat of the ones that he loves and accept from us from his fadl and his karam and his minna wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in